Hello? Hello? I, I need to speak to Oprah Winfrey. Can I please speak to philanthropist Oprah Winfrey right now? Oh, hello. Can I please speak to famous theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking? That's the author of the famous book, A Brief History of Time, Stephen Hawking. Um, yes, hello. I would like to speak to Rafiki. You know, that baboon fellow from The Lion King. Is he on the line? Uh, they can't come to the phone right now, but I'm Matt. And I'm Z. And, and together, together we're... Acceptable company. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah, it was. I tried something different. Yeah, I mean. I think it paid off. I, I think people are really going <laughs> to flock to that introduction. Um, I wanted to chat to you about pub trivia to start pub off trivia. with. Pub trivia. Pub. Pub. As in public house. Is that what a pub means? Yeah, didn't you know that? No way. Yeah, public house. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Do I ever stop educating you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a sponge, ready to be filled with, the, with your knowledge, Z. <laughs> so pub trivia is a wonderful pastime of mine. I do it often. I'm a veteran. Public I'm an enthusiast. So you're telling me, back in the day, these things were labeled public house. I believe so. Oh, my God. I'll you let that soak in you for a bit. Yeah, you, you're not meant to blow my name, my mind right at the start of the topic because I'm just knowledge. Do you think so? I thought it was listeners public knowledge. Please write in if anyone knew it was called a public house. I think everyone knew this except for you. If if anyone writes in, I'll pay you a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> So I love pub trivia. I love it. To yeah. the core of my being. To the level where you, during COVID, created your own yes. online over Zoom trivia nights. That's true. I forgot all about that. And they were amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, they were fun. They, they were, were fun great. To do. They were really good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Actually. I really appreciate you doing it. Um, I love trivia so much. I don't know what it is. I think it's like the joy of contributing knowledge that you didn't even know was useful or you'd never thought would be Just useful. All the all the random fifth faff running around in your head yes. suddenly has a purpose. Yes. Has a reason to exist. Correct. And it's to answer this question fifteen of public house trivia night. Correct. And then being rewarded for it. It's the best. But that, that assumes you win. Oh. I definitely haven't. <laughs> we win. We win big time. And oh. so I guess I want to talk to you about what makes a good... Because I've, I've done it a lot. I've done it at a lot of venues. I want to talk a little bit about pub trivia. What makes a good pub trivia? What makes a good pub trivia team? Well, I want to talk about your team. Because mm. I've, I've done pub trivia a few times. I've won once. Okay. And this was a particular... Like genre, topic... topic. It was, it was a Lord of the Rings trivia. Oh, night. Of course, it was. And we <laughs> mopped the flaws. It was not. It was not even close. Landslide. So how many? How many people in your trivia team? Four. And I think that's the, like the sweet spot. Is you don't think like twenty six? No, because when you have too many people, there's too many chefs in the kitchen, and everyone's like, "Oh no, no, it's this," and someone's like, "No, but I mm. think it's this," and there's too much arguing. Our four is like everyone knows their place, and you know who overrides who in a, a given topic. topic. Correct. I guess we'll start off with the trivia team. I think what's really important is everyone having their own topics that they cover. Like, you don't want to have two history people, for instance. You want to cover all bases. The area of expertise. Yeah. So what would you say is your area of expertise? Yeah, no, I, I mine's really <laughs> random. I don't think I have a topic. Like, we have a clear science guy. We have a girl that's, like, really good at music. Mine's, like... 
random. Do you have a do you have a, do you have a sports guy? Because that's my it's always my undoing. You know they're always they're all all fun and games. Like name this song an artist, and then there's something like how many wickets did Grant Hackett take in the 100 meter freestyle? Wickets. <laughs> yeah, I, I threw a lot of stuff. Yeah. In there. <laughs> And that's where I fall apart. Yeah. And that's the thing. You've got to have a team that covers all the bases. And you hear the question and you point to a team member because you know that they've got it covered. <laughs> um, so we have that, which is really good. Have you ever had someone, the whole team just points to you and you're just like, oh, I don't know. Even if you don't know, at least you have a team member that can give a best guess, a better guess than everyone else in the team. And that's another thing, right? You need to have a team that has a good blanket rule of no hard feelings. So if, mm-hmm. if you think, you know, this is my best guess, I'm not sure, there's no fear of getting it wrong because you know that it's a collective. What if you have an altercation and there's two people with different opinions and then you go for one person's answer and then yeah. it ends up being the other person's answer? We have that very often. But the thing is, you all agree, okay, this person is probably has a better chance of getting it right. We're going to go with this answer. And the person who didn't get their answer chosen just has to psych it up. It's 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 a real non-soul loser <laughs> environment. So, yeah, I guess that's what makes a good trivia team. In terms of a good actual pub trivia, there are a few factors that I think are really important. Sure. Trivia host needs to be high energy, needs to be funny and witty. Charismatic, exactly. He wants to be there. Yes. He's not just doing it because it's Thursday night and he's got to do trivia. Yeah. And also He is the trivia man. He is. Yeah. It's like they have to be like down to earth, relatable, not like used car salesman style. Another one, the food at the place has to be good. Yes. I was going to say schnitzel was a joke, but correct. Schnitzel is great. Schnitzel is great. Yeah. That's why I go to public houses all the time. Yeah. (laughs) You're just going to use that all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Food has to be good. The variety of questions has to be good. Yes. Can't just be all like history and science and like academic stuff. It has to be fun and attainable. Everybody needs to have their moment. Yeah, correct. It needs to have enough variety that everyone can be like, I actually know this one. Mm. Another really important factor is prize money that's on offer. Sometimes first place gets $30, which is crap. You want to be aiming for like 50 up for first place. Really make it worth your while. Yeah, make it worth your while because that makes you want to win. It makes it worth trying for. When we won the Lord of the Rings trivia night, we won $250. Whoa. Like gift voucher at the pub. We also won a bunch of prizes. Ooh. We won a floor mat. There was a Lord of the Rings trivia like trivia pursuit. That sounds like all for the one prize. That's epic. That, that sounds really like good. really worth your while. You know, it you... was definitely worth dominating the opposition. <laughs> um, yeah, at, at regular pub trivia, you just get like I think it's like seventy, fifty, thirty, something like that for first, second, third, and then we come back and like use the money next time we go to buy dinner for everyone. And I think the final, the most important factor for pub trivia is a lot of the time they do like bonus games, bonus rounds. Yeah, like heads and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sometimes they give out bonus points for winning that, the random chance games. And I hate that. If you're going to do bonus games, (laughs) give out beer or food, you know, don't give out points. Points need to be earned. What about, how, how do you feel about some places give points to like returning groups? So that you get like extra points for having been there last week. I don't love it because it's not based on skill or knowledge. You know, if I win trivia, I want to know it was because we actually won in trivia. Also, I have a question. 
Yes. So when you were doing these trivia nights yourself, when you were hosting and preparing them, yeah. where did you get your questions from? Just type in excellent trivia questions. Because I know some of them were unique. Mm-hmm. One of the very famous ones was, it was like Rich or Kmart. Kmart or High End. Kmart or High End, where she'd post pictures of clothing or even furniture and things. yeah. Anything that, and yet we had to guess if it was Kmart or High End. Yeah. That's, that, that's obviously very Zara. Yeah. That you can't get from just anywhere. Yes. But a lot of the others were your more stereotypical trivia questions. So did you make them all up? I made them all up. Where do you get your topics from? Like, just to, like as I'm having conversations with people and someone talks about something, I'm like, oh, that'd be interesting. And then I Google, I think of a question for it, and then I Google the answer to know what the correct answer is. Uh, well, it was excellent. Did oh. you, do you feel like it was worth your while? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of effort. It was, but I mean, we were in lockdown. What else am I going to do? true and i enjoyed it a lot it gave me a reason to like socialize with people and it was fun like and because i'd been to so many trivias in the past i knew the formula for what makes a good set of trivia you followed questions, the rule right? yeah I followed except the for the schnitzel yeah there was no provided <laughs> no provided schnitzel sadly i'm glad you enjoyed my trivia it was inspired by the formula from all the successful trivias that i've done in the past and you know, if you're going to host a trivia night at a public house, people, make sure you, you get it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're here for consultations and also to win trivia with Z's team plus Matt. You're welcome anytime. I would like to win a trivia night one day. Uh, we win every... If we don't come first, second or third, it's a failure. You're one of those people. We are. You're we're hardcore. I used to go to trivia every week with my old housemates and we just never win. But there's always like the locals, like the, the ones that are always there every week and they're winning all the time. Mm. You're that group. Yeah. Sozie. Mm. One thing I've always wanted to do is live in an apartment. Right? I've always loved the concept of of catching an elevator to your <laughs> to your house. Yeah. It took some convincing, but now we're living on the fourth floor of an apartment building. Mm-hmm. And, and we indeed have an elevator, and all my wildest dreams have come true. Yeah, this is living. Is this how the other side lives, E? <laughs> Apparently so. So I want to talk about just, just some weird things about apartments. There's, there's things that are different about apartments that you don't have to worry about with a house. Okay. I've so, been in an apartment for the last six years or so. So I'm curious about okay. what you're going to okay. say. Okay. Well, I'll be curious to see if these apply to you as well. Okay. Um, so first of all, some positives. I really like that apartments, you don't have to do any maintenance on... Lawns. Lawns. Mm. Or gardens or anything or like that. bringing the garbage bins out. Bringing the garbage bins out. There's literally a garbage chute that you just walk outside and chuck stuff down. Yeah. And you don't have to even think about where it goes. You don't know. It's a mystery what's on the other end of those chutes. But somehow... The rubbish disappears. I don't know. And frankly, I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not a negatives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, okay. It, look, not negatives, just um, some are negatives for sure. Okay. So, biggest one for me, um, biggest issue I'm having is parking. We have one parking space that is allocated to the uh, to the room. Mm-hmm. And I, being the generous boyfriend I am, gave that to Connie. Meanwhile, I have to fight among the other locals that are also sharing the road. Where the majority of the parking is, is paid parking. And most of the time, <laughs> I don't want to park in a paid parking because I'd have to get up before 9 a.m. and move my car. And that is just a hassle. Getting up before 9 a.m. Look, if I want, look, most of the time, if I'm driving, if I'm going to work, not an issue. But if I want to sleep in, mm. I want to sleep in, Z. So every day when I come home from work, I have to swear at the cars that are parked in the free spaces and either take one in a visitor carport, which is illegal. They make it very clear. Mm-hmm. Or... 
I have to park in the paid parking and move my car. I know a lot of people in that position where they have two cars and one spot or they have one car and no spots. That's ridiculous. Um, that's city living for you. That's city living. Um, in apartments, there's this weird, it's like a weird etiquette, right? So living on the coast, Connie would walk her dog all the time. And on the coast, I think people are just happier and nicer. And they'd want to pat the dog and they'd want to stop and talk to her all the time. Now she's living in Sydney and nobody pays attention to her walking a dog. And she notices it. She says the dog feels it and notices it. People around here are cold and mean and angry. But in an apartment building, there's this weird etiquette where if you get in the elevator and someone else gets in the elevator, you stand in silent in the elevator. Yep. But then when it opens on someone's floor, you you say, you know, have a good night. Good night. See you later. You, you give them a parting goodbye. Mm. Very strange. Because it's kind of like you live together. You know, you're in you're in you're in the same apartment building. You're 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 living in this shared space. Mm. So it's like it's a tiny effort just to acknowledge that the other person you acknowledge them as a neighbor. So what's weird about? Are you saying that the parting goodbye is weird? Yeah. Or it's not it's not enough. No, I think it's weird. I think in an area where people won't even acknowledge a puppy, any other elevator you go into and you don't say bye when you leave the elevator. No, but this is like because you're in a shared space, right? The nod or the good night is like acknowledgement. Hey, I'm normal and I live in and amongst you and I'm not a serial killer. <laughs> if I was a serial killer, I'd say hi to people too. Yeah, you don't want to, you want to remain incognito if you're a serial killer, I reckon. I don't think so. That's that's what for another time. <laughs> I just think it's strange. I just think, you know, even when you're living in a house, it's it's not so common these days to even acknowledge your neighbors. Maybe a little like hi as yeah. you're walking but I don't know, just this weird thing. I, I get into an elevator and, a, and a, like a small child from school gets in and we sit there in silence for four floors and then you just like, see ya. We didn't have a conversation. We don't have a relationship. Mm. I don't feel bad if you just leave, but everybody does it. Mm. I do it too. Mm. I'm suckered into the apartment living lifestyle. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think it's just acknowledgement of like, because we live in this shared common space, I'll give you the... Courtesy. Yeah, the courtesy of like acknowledging you. I understand why it occurs. It's just a strange little. It's a strange little happenstance. Mm. I also have, and I don't know if this is prevalent in every apartment situation, but we have met probably the apartment friend, mm-hmm. the person that knows everybody in the apartment, person that's very, very eager to help out if needed. He just knows everybody. Yeah. He get the sense that he he's on the the board of directors mm. for the Strata company. Mm. You he's know? bringing the casserole. He's bringing the casserole. So very quickly, he, he made himself known to us and he talked to us every chance he get. In our apartment block, his name's Peter. And he's he's very, very nice. He knows Willow, our pug. And he he's a smoker, so he's always outside. So we always see him. <laughs> the other day, he gave me, he's just like, if you ever need help, um, if Courtney has a flat tire, you know, anyone needs help, here, here's my card. And he hands me this business card. Mm. And all it says is, Peter, and the guy's phone number. <laughs> That is serial killer vibes. The the courtesy goodbye, not serial killer vibes. The overextension of like, hey, I'm here anytime you need me, please just give me a call with this nondescript business card. That is serial killer vibes. Do you have a Peter in your apartment block? No, we don't. Oh, you're missing out, Z. I don't think I've ever had a Peter. I think he's unique to yours. <laughs> um, the last thing I'm struggling with, mm. but this is the biggest pain in the ass. So we've gone to some lengths to make our balcony very, very pretty. Mm. We've got a dartboard out there. We've got table and chairs, and we put fairy lights on the railing and on the on the balcony. It's beautiful. Thank you. I think it's really pretty. It's our favorite part of the house. Mm. 
the cockatoos in the area, mm. <laughs> the cockatoos disagree. They have decided they've woken up and chosen violence. And every few days I come home and they've just ripped my Christmas lights to shreds, just like bitten right through it. And it's in shatters. Now, luckily enough, I have the general know-how enough to fix them. So I've been repairing these things, but it is a losing battle. The cockatoos keep coming. The cockatoos don't stop. Relentless. Don't stop coming. <laughs> don't stop coming and they don't stop <laughs> coming. <laughs> they are just adamant that Christmas isn't until the end of the year and these lights are out too early. Mm-hmm. This is why we can't have nice things. Literally, the cockatoos. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they're breaking my spirit. And everyone I've talked to is kind of like, oh, does anyone feed the cockatoos? And I'm like, there's a hundred people that live on this block. Mm. Odds are someone's feeding the, the cockatoos. And... They've decided they want to reward that kindness with flat out mean vandalism. Vandalism. <laughs> um, no, I've never had that problem. I'm sorry to say. No, don't get me wrong. I love cockatoos. Mm. I no matter how much they drive me insane, I could never hate them. But they just live to destroy. There's a. <laughs> Why must the things we love hurt us the most? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there's some of my my apartment uh, stories. May or may not be <laughs> specific to my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, who knows? Maybe someone else has a Peter. Maybe someone else has parking woes. Parking woes for sure is universal. Maybe somebody knows where the garbage chute goes. <laughs> <laughs> if you do, let us know. Let us know. Write us a comment. We need to know. Alrighty then. It is time, Z, for leisure time. Leisure time. Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... <laughs> So this is the segment where we just talk about um, what we're doing, what we're reading, what we're watching, what we're doing in our leisure time. So I thought I'd kick things off. I watched a recent release movie that came out. Um, you may have heard of it. Actually, maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, it's called Prey. And it's um, it's actually a Predator movie. So it's part of the Predator series. And the whole gist is, as usual, a Predator comes down to Earth and he's just doing his Predator stuff. But instead of it being in modern times, it's set in the 1700s. Um, and it's like a, a band of Comanche Indians. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a really cool concept. So it's kind of like olden day technology, bows and arrows and, and Indians versus a Predator. Pulled off really well. I haven't seen many of the other Predator movies. I don't know if you've seen any yourself. No. I've seen the first one with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I've seen like Alien vs. Predator, but that's about it. But this movie, it's generally considered to be the best Predator movie since the first one. My first question as you describe that is, did they remain respectful and true to like native Indian culture? I know that's quite a sensitive like topic over there. I don't know enough about Native American culture to know for sure. Okay. I didn't think anything was distasteful or okay. I don't think they, they didn't make fun of them at all. They yeah. were the protagonists. You know, a lot of their cultural beliefs and things were explored in, in the okay, that's in good. the movie. That's good. I don't know how accurate any of it was, um, but I feel like, especially like you said, these days, if you were going to make a movie about American Indians, you'd have to be you'd have to be careful to be respectful. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like I can imagine the brainstorm room for this movie being like, okay, we're gonna do another Predator movie, but how can we make it different? You guys, throw some ideas well, out. It's a great idea. Yeah, and people are coming out with like other ideas. It's like, you know, Predator in, like, samurai-era Japan. Yeah. Like, cool thing. Compared to the last one, which I haven't seen, but I, I hear it's pretty much hated. Mm. Um, and it sounds like they just took the, the lore and just, you know, kind of dismantled it and made it really awful. This one is just clear-cut. It's There's nothing complicated about it. It's just a bunch of Indians and a Predator 
just lands and he's just doing Predator stuff. And it's just all the stuff that anyone that's a fan of Predator movies, mm. whatever you like about the Predator, it's in this. I love that. And I'm not even into this genre, but the description that you've just given makes me want to watch it. Just yeah. because it's so like, huh? That's <laughs> honestly what got me into it. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the Predator by any means. Right. But I just, th- this the synopsis and the idea behind it. I'm like, okay. And it's it's good. It's really good. It's not it's not amazing, but I certainly think if you like the Predator movies, this will be right up your alley. And if you don't, it's it's a fun movie. Anyone can watch. I'm, I'm into it. I'm gonna look it up. You should. It's on uh, it's on Disney Plus. Oh, it's not it's not even in the cinema. No, well, it came straight to streaming. I don't know if it is in cinemas. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah, it's even on better. Plus. That's where I watched it. I will say, like like all Predator movies, it is a little bloody, and you know, it's not for kids, but it's it's no two girls one cup. No, it's not two girls one cup. No, definitely not. No, it, it's it's pretty easy watching. Okay. In my recent leisure time, I visited Questacon. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I've been excited about this topic. Do you, did you go to Questacon as a kid? Oh, yeah. I, I've been as an adult. Oh, you have. Okay, uh, cool. Adult's a strong word, but I, w- I went for like year 12 camp. We went to, to Canberra and I went to Questacon then. So I would have been like 18. Was that your first time as a teen? No, no, I went as a kid. Oh, okay. That was your second time. Cool. I went as a kid. So you have recent memories of it. You remember uh, it. Kind of. It, it was still 13 years ago, so. Yeah. Well, I only went in year six, and my memories of it are really hazy. I just remember it being cool, but I couldn't remember specifically what I liked about it. So it's been on my bucket list to go as an adult for a long time. So I finally got to go, and I'm not even a science person, but it really does. It makes science fun and interactive <laughs> and interesting. I won't go into it, but uh, I can talk about the two highlights. Yeah. So um, the first one is, I don't know if this was there when you were there, but you know Air Hockey, the arcade game? Um, there was this robot. It was like a robot with like a robotic arm, and it used sensors and angles and stuff to... You play against the robot, you play air hockey, and you have to try and get it in. But the robot arm, like, blocks your shot. So there's, like, this scoreboard of people who've actually managed to beat the robot. And there's screens showing the angles that it's detecting to block the shots. And there's a whole line of people waiting. And I think you play for, like, a couple of minutes each. And you just have to try and, like, get it and beat this robot at air hockey. Did you score at all? No. Yeah, I saw I saw one guy score though. The AI is smarter than this. it's it's crazy, and I was wondering if it learned, like if it made a mistake, <laughs> does it learn and then not do that anymore? But I don't I don't think it does. But it's really good. It's like really fast. People are hitting really quick, tricky shots, and it's still blocking them. It's crazy. Computers are just better. Better, they're, yeah. They're better. But even though it's like computer chess, like it's hard to beat. Um, there was another thing. I don't know if you remember this. It's like. A wall that's made out of some special material, and then you stand in front of it, and then there's a bright light. So you're in between the bright light and the wall, and the light flashes. It's a camera. So you it, it casts oh, a shadow, right? I have. I remember this. Yeah. Like you, you, you can pose. It yeah. flashes, and then the, the shadow stays. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's like yeah, you you cast a shadow with the, in between the light and the wall, and then it flashes, and so your shadow is, like, on the wall. But as you move, you can walk away, but the shadow remains in its place, like, a, a few seconds. Science. Science. Yo. <laughs> I can't explain it, but... um. No, I, I don't know how that works either. Yeah, it's something to do with the material. It absorbs light for longer or something. I'm not sure. 
Anyway, all, moral of the story is I can confirm that Questacon as an adult is still cool. What I remember about visiting Questacon as an adult was actually being interested in the science behind things mm. and trying to read all the information and mm. kids just running around screaming and <laughs> smashing stuff and, and just playing around with stuff. I, I think that's a really common error. Like, the kids who are, like, five years old are not going to be interested in the science aspect. They're going to be interested in just, like, oh, that's cool, but, but not understanding the why. I think they've targeted it wrong. I think it should be targeted at adults who don't understand science, like me, because that's who's really going to take in the information. I agree. I think maybe it's meant for families. Mm. You know, the kids go nuts and do the science stuff and the parents explain learn. Mm, yeah. Explain. Yeah. That's true, because I did see families doing that, and that made a lot more sense than just kids running rogue. That. Did I still have the earthquake room? Yes, they do. I didn't go on it. I saw people doing it. You didn't go on that? No. That's the highlight. What happens? Because I just saw, like... You, it's it, it's you... in there, and it shakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I saw. The that's why I didn't it. go. But everything, like, falls apart, and, and like it's a simulation. It's not a room, what I saw. It's like... Just, just a platform. A platform, but you could still see into it. There were no walls. I remember I used to have, used to have walls and you used to have like bookcases and things. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what this was. They didn't have the bookcases. It was literally just like... Maybe the bookcase fell on someone. Yeah. <laughs> or H&S. And they that's had a... that, They had like this drop that's droop, yeah. dripping really slow. Yes, that's right. It's been dripping for 40 years. That's it's crazy. still going. <laughs> and they had... Did you have a guillotine? Like, you have to lie down under it, and it's not a real guillotine, but it slowly lowers, heightens, and it falls. Mm, I didn't see it's that. It's near, see, it's near where the free fall drop is. Mm, mm. Remember the free fall drop? Yes, it's it's temporarily out of order. Oh, no! Yeah, um, but it's still there. But I think right near that was the air hockey, so they might have replaced it. They replaced the guillotine? With the air hockey, so I, which is oh. so much better, believe me. You didn't see the guillotine. <laughs> I don't need to. to know. <laughs> <laughs> this air hockey thing blew my mind. I can't remember. Look, it's been a while. Maybe things have changed, but science stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been doing in my leisure time. Pretty fun. Mm. What else have you got? What else have you been doing in your leisure time? Uh, I have been playing a game. This one's going to be difficult for you because it's it's normally games aren't your thing, but this is like, I think this is like really not your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a new Digimon game. Remember Digimon? I do. Like the B-grade Pokemon. I was going to say the, the slightly more edgy, for slightly older kids, form of Pokemon. But yeah, sure. B-grade Pokemon. <laughs> um, still still a thing. Um, and this game is called Digimon Survive. The whole game was was sold as a this game where these kids get into a new world and they have to survive and your choices can impact the story. And if you make the wrong choices, some of these kids can die. And so it's a quite a dark Digimon game. Mm. Um, and for some reason, I got I got pretty excited. Um, and after um, some of the games I've been playing, Elden Ring and Tunic, I needed something. I just wanted something chill, something I just sit back, relax and enjoy. Mm-hmm. So I've been watching this game for a while. I waited for about a month until it finally released. Um, and it's okay. It's actually a visual novel, which you might be familiar with that. It's a very, like, Japanese genre of games. It's people's static faces, and there's text, and there's text, and there's text, and you make decisions. A lot of the time, visual novels are, like, have a romantic side to them. So what's that? It's not even any romance. There's not even, like, any saucy sex scenes you can unlock. It's just talking. Um, And there is some combat to it, which is pretty fun, but it's not a lot. Is that different to what you expected it to be? Look, it was pretty well documented that that was what the game was going to be. Okay. Um, But the visual novel would hinge on how enjoyable the story is. And to me, the story is only okay. 
It has really dramatic moments where there's a big bad guy and he's going to kill the other person and a Digimon steps in and they're like, oh, I have to fight for all my friends and a Digimon gets a big boost of strength and it evolves into its ultimate form. And that's really dramatic and awesome. And that's kind of why we play Digimon games. But for every moment like that, there's moments where they're just going, oh, we need to find rations for for tomorrow's lunch. <laughs> so the pacing is really off. Um, and it has a lot of like Japanese tropes. First of all, the game's all in Japanese as well. There's no English voice acting. It's not even that well translated. So a lot of the English text <laughs> doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. Sometimes they refer to something as a he and then the next sentence refer to it as a she and then that sort of thing, which is a little distracting, but it's not game breaking. And and the woman are all kind of designated to like they're <laughs> making the fruit. dinners and yeah. yeah. And and as someone that's um grown up watching anime and, and this sort of thing, it's not it's not that foreign to me. Um but I can imagine a lot of Western audiences, I, I think they'd they'd find it a bit odd. I don't know. They're in this life or death situation and they're arguing about the most stupid things. I'm like, come on, guys. We've got bigger fish to fry. Literally. Okay, well, I'm glad you took one for the team so people didn't have to <laughs> get their hopes up about this one. I don't know. If you're into Digimon, give it a go. But um. But also don't. Yeah, <laughs> nah, there's, there's better things to play. It's time for Acceptable or Not. <laughs> this one comes from Farat in Greystains. Oh, thanks very much for writing in, Farat. So he went out to dinner with a friend and the friend didn't have any money, so he, he paid for it. And the friend said, oh, don't worry, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. But he didn't pay him back for a long time. And okay. Frat started reminding him to, hey, you know, do you have the $20? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll pay you back, I'll pay you back. But he never did, right? Hmm. And then they ended up going to dinner again with their group of friends. Um, and then Farat just said, oh, don't worry, this friend whatever his name is, Joe, let's say. pay for me. Yeah, Joe's got me. Joe didn't say that he was going to pay for him in that instance, but because he owed Farat money, he took that as an opportunity to get paid back, essentially. And then this friend, Joe, let's call him, um, got upset with him for that. So it's not really acceptable or not, but who, who is in the right, who is in the wrong here? Someone owes someone money, they've asked for it, they haven't paid them back, yet they've still gone to this other social event and they've taken it upon themselves to get paid back by, I guess, outing the person. It's actually a tricky one. Mm. When you were starting that story, I thought this was going to be pretty clear cut. Mm. There's a bit more to explore here. Okay. So I think Ferrat was in the right to act that way. He'd given his friend ample opportunity to do the right thing and pay him back. Mm -hmm. Especially if his friend had said, I'll pay you back. And owing money to someone and, and just having it continually brought up and... It isn't a situation anyone should be in. It's just an awkward, petty thing to be, like, fighting over and awkward over. It shouldn't ever go on for that long. So in this case, I think the other alternative is for Frat to call him out um, in front of his friends, maybe, to force a re resolution. Mm. Or what do you do? Just end the friendship because he refuses to pay back 20 bucks? So I think this is a better option. There's also a possibility that if the friend ever wanted to ever in that situation again, and Frat would just be like, look, man, nah, I'm not, you didn't pay me back last time. It all depends on how close a friend they are, I guess, and if this could potentially ruin a friendship mm. over 20 bucks. But it, it goes deeper than 20 bucks, see? Because mm. this is about trust. reliability yeah. and trust and sticking to your word mm. um, when you're putting a friend out. Mm. It go, it's not just the 20 bucks. It's, it's showing traits of a human being mm. that are not good traits in a friend. That's a really great summation of this whole scenario. I agree 100% with everything that you've said. Um, I don't know about the calling out the friend. 
like maybe privately saying, hey, like, uh, do you want to get mine because um, you still haven't paid me back for that other dinner? Maybe that would have been okay. But I almost think that, yeah, if this is a friend that you want to keep for whatever reason, even though they're not reliable with sticking to their word, if this is a friend you want to keep, I almost think that you just kind of suck it up and just don't lend them any more money moving forward. Like, it's a lesson learned. It's a $20 lesson learned. I I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And there are definitely friendships out there that have that situation where they just know they they can't rely on their friend for particular things, like paying back money. I just think it's, um, I don't know, money makes people odd. Uncomfortable. Yeah. And having to owe a friend money, it, it, it constantly hangs over your head. And even if it's just 20 bucks, it's just, it's constantly there. It kind of shows a lot of negative qualities that are also now constantly there. Mm. I agree. Like the onus is definitely on the friend to have paid him back in a timely manner. So he's done that wrong. You're talking about the... The way he did it, the way Ferret called him out. Yeah, I think that was mm, slightly uncalled for. It's driving a wedge in the friendship that can potentially not be undone as easily as just letting $20 go. I suppose, look, it doesn't hurt for him to approach his friend in private and go, and you know, do you want to get this and then we'll be even. Yeah. And yes, the way he approached it, if he called out his friend in, in a group setting, that's a little confrontational. Mm. Okay, I, I agree that the way he approached it could have been better. Mm. What if like, this guy's got, like, I don't know, a gambling addiction or something, and he's like, oh, sorry, man, I don't have the money. Like, I don't know. Like, what if that was you? Like, if someone said to you, hey, you got this right? I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't sit as right with me. So, okay, I, I can I can see from your point of view, you'd, you'd rather just swallow the 20 bucks and But I'm not confrontational, yeah. I'm not confrontational like that. But you're, you're keeping a friend, you're keeping a friendship of a subpar friend. <laughs> Yeah, I just won't lend them money again. Mm. Yeah, fair. I'd probably do both. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call someone out in that circumstance. Yeah, because I mean, like, I guess what is the other way? Like, let's say you really need this $20 or $40 or whatever it is. How, what is the right way to approach it if you constantly remind them and they're like, yeah, yeah, sorry, I've got it. I'll send it to you. Like, you can't force them to give it to you. No, you can't. So what is the right way to... So, well, so what? His, from his point of view, then, he just keeps denying it until I, it just, just goes like putting away? It off. I, don't, I have no idea. I'm not obviously in this situation. I'm definitely one to pay someone back, like, as soon as, like, in that second. But, I don't know, maybe they're just forgetful or they um, don't have the money or I, I don't know. Maybe there's a legit reason he doesn't have the money. And in that case, Fred's going to have to make up his own mind about it. Mm. But he decided to act the way he did. He did. And you're saying it's acceptable. <sighs> I, I don't disagree with you. I just don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me. I mean, it's it's, it's acceptable given the circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think he gave his friend enough chances to... It's not how I'd approach the situation, but that doesn't make it unacceptable to me. If you were one of the friends at this table, not either Ferrat or the friend, and you witnessed this, how would you feel about it? Pretty or uh, pretty awkward. Kind yeah, of like they're, they're airing their dirty laundry. Yeah. And Ferrat's kind of taking advantage of his friends to force his other friend to yeah. cough up the coppers. Yeah. But like I said, just because I wouldn't approach it that way doesn't mean I find it unacceptable. I would rather he approached it and got his money back than just sat there and and let his friend get away with letting him down. I think the friend knows that he let him down, though. There's obviously some underlying reason why he's being flaky and Yeah, well, then he's a shit friend. He is. And Parat, obviously, if he's a shit friend, why not call him out in front of everybody? I guess. If you're willing to lose the friendship over it, like many things that we've discussed, if you're willing to lose the friendship over it, then go for it, I guess. I think it's acceptable. Okay. 
I'm really on the fence. I'm leaning towards not acceptable. But you're going to say acceptable. <laughs> I guess so. I don't like it, though. Acceptable but. Mm. Acceptable but there are better ways to do it. Yeah, exactly. 